This is Hannibal here from World Class Pro Wrestling. And this is the very first World Class Cast, which is the World Class Pro Wrestling podcast. And today, my co-host, Jerry, is the owner of World Class. And we have two wonderful guests. They are stars of MLW, and they were stars of World Class Pro Wrestling as well, from the legendary Von Eric family the sons of Kevin Von Erich, all the way from Hawaii, Ross and Marshall Von Erich. Yeah. Thanks happy for having to be on us. the show, man. We're happy to be here. Big fans. Big Hannibal fans. This is cool. <laughs> this is really cool. Big Jerry fans, too. Dude. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you guys have a history. Well, whenever we came up with the concept, you know, he's like, man, we, you know, we got to have a solid first guest. And I was like, man, there's only one group that could be our first guest. It had to be you guys, you know. <laughs> Shoot, man. Make me blush. I don't know if you can see. <laughs> <laughs> I love that beard. They, I know. I'm trying. The thing is, you got to get close to see that it's not see-through. Yeah, it just looks <laughs> like I have a big chin, and, and unless you uh, get really close, I guess. Yeah. So you're going for the jawline. Man, you know, it's good to see you guys, even via, even via Streamcast. I think that's StreamYard. That's what this is. So great oh, this to is see cool. you guys. It was, it was easy to use. It was, uh, yeah, you just click and jump in and join studio. And we're doing, uh, we've been doing a, a podcast um, of our own, you know, guys, guys like, you know, Hannibal TV, seeing, seeing what, you know, seeing wrestlers pretty much take advantage of, of everything they need, need to as wrestlers, marketing yourselves and merchandise and all that stuff. And he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the, yeah. Guys are trying to follow their footsteps a little bit, start our own podcast. It makes you appreciate all the work that goes into it, though, also. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You guys go ahead and uh, plug your podcast for everybody that's watching that doesn't know about it. How do they How do they listen to it? So we're on um, all podcast platforms. It's called the Iron Claw, Iron Claw Cast. We're, we want to change the name because it's so hard to say. <laughs> the Iron Claw Cast. I dare um, you to say it five times fast. No way. No way. <laughs> Another stuff. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, we're on YouTube. We're on, yeah, all podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, the Iron Clawcast, or our personal Twitters, um, at Ross and Marshall Von Eric. And then at Instagram, we share one since we're so bad on social media. Just at <laughs> Rank, Ross and Marshall. You know, me too. It, it's such a blessing to come aboard and work with us because he's so good at it and I'm so bad at it. And so it's, you know, no, it's yeah. amazing so far. <laughs> Yeah, somebody that can make yeah. up, you know, where your weakness and your strong will there, you know, aren't as strong. So. And Hannibal TV is all over my feed. You know, where we're scrolling through YouTube, social media, it's it's Hannibal TV. Yeah, the algorithms are on us for sure. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed the same exact thing. Oh, <laughs> my. I was actually just watching one of your matches that I was going to post uh, in the next coming days on the uh, World Class YouTube channel as well as the Hannibal TV and psycho sid was involved in it what was it like working with him dude man that was so awesome because uh jerry's laughing yeah, yeah. i, know. That, that, I love sid i love sid yeah. we were just so excited to, to meet him and stuff that dude's just like massive he's huge and uh it looks like just a big old country country boy and we're uh in the back and it was kind of cool that we, we felt like he was kind of uh or coming to us like he, he he hung around us most of the time in the locker room we thought that was really cool yeah we're like kind of starstruck a little bit you know and and the weird thing is, is he's kind of exactly how you think he would be yeah you know just on how he just does he just does his own thing but know? part of me thought uh that he thought we were like 
um, our uncles and dad because he was like, and you guys always been good guys, you know, and I, and I know. <laughs> I don't think you guys ever told me that. That's great. No, man. And then I did like a cannonball or something in the match. And he was, uh, he, he was laughing so hard after he's like, that was the dumbest thing I mean, it worked, but man, that was dumb. He, he thought, I guess he liked it, but he thought it was, uh, he thought it was silly. He said it was kind of silly. But, yeah, yeah. But that's how I knew I was, I was going to call it the Sid bomb after that. Yeah. Man, you know, I think oftentimes he gets a bad rap amongst people. You know, he had that reputation for a while, you know, like he knows shows people, yada, yada, yada. And we never had that experience with him, you know, like he was always so good around all of us and so helpful. I mean, you know, he, I think he was a great influence on the locker room. I think Sid is a great person. I can't say enough nice things about him. Yeah, man. And uh, that's, it's scary. You know, wrestling world is small and stuff and uh, your reputation is, you know, it's, it's valuable in a way, but that's one thing we've noticed, especially from you and, uh, you know, booking, you know, booking, you know, maybe troublemakers or troublesome wrestlers, you, you, you give them that second chance. And, uh, you know, Court Bauer's a lot like that too, over at MLW. He, he gives guys, you know, second, third chances, just, to, uh, he sees the best in people. And, you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody, my dad said this one time and it kind of just hit me differently, but he said, everybody's got a, or everybody's got a book. And, and each life, each, each person's life is a book. And you, if you meet them, you play a role in that book. And what role do you play? You know? And so I'd like to think that I, I when I meet people, I, I want to try to play a, a, you know, a baby face, not a freaking heel, <laughs> you know, in their, in their story. Well, I think, man, you know, you guys, it's amazing how far you've come, you know, since the first time we worked together to where you guys are at now, you know, at first, you guys hardly talked. You know, Marshall, you talk way more than Ross to begin with. But you guys went from that to having your own podcast, which you have to talk all the time. I love it. Ah, uh, yeah, man. We're, we mostly do voiceovers. We just have we just uh, we record the voices and then we just we kept saying the, the rest. Oh, <laughs> you know one thing about it though. I think whether it be a few words, whether it's a lot of words, whatever. Uh, it's the same thing I think that people saw whenever they saw your dad and his brothers. It's genuine. You know, whenever you guys talk, whatever's coming out of your mouth, you don't just mean it in wrestling, but you mean it in life. And, and you know, the impact that you guys had on our locker room was tremendous, you know, and just, uh, you know, it's like we talked about tons of times, you know, wrestling is broken in a lot of ways and uh, a lot of ways that are, are real life. And you guys were always uh, wonderful influences. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stories, I was telling somebody about it today. I said, you know, one time, those guys stopped a murder. <laughs> Remember in San Antonio? Yeah, that's a crazy story. I know. Uh, yeah, I tell remember. that story because that's that's wild. We'll, we'll remember that for the rest of our lives. And that, that was one of the first times we left a show early, which was usually you get a bad rep for that. But we literally were traveling all day the the we landed in Dallas, got straight in a car, drove three or Can you all still hear me, Jerry? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we uh, it was about four or five hours traveling uh, from there, from Dallas to San Antonio. And so we were just dog tired. We got there. The show was already started. We're the last match. Um no, we were second to last match. And so right after a match, I was like, man, I can barely keep my eyes open. Let's go. And so we are, we're on our way back to the hotel. And as soon as we got up, we heard just a, um, a loud commote, like a commotion. It sounded like somebody got two, two. Oh, they cut out for a second. 
in the middle of a great story. I mean, yeah, we're, we're saving saving a guy's life. So here they are yeah, back. Here they are. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, but yeah, uh, we were uh, we were pretty much we just got to the hotels right after the show, and then we heard it sounded like someone got two two by fours and slapped them together, and um. It was, uh, we were just like, and then we heard some like voices and yelling and stuff and everybody was running away from it uh, and running away from the commotion. So we, we kind of walked over there and we see two guys at each other's throats. Um, it was a Mexican guy and a black guy. The Mexican guy had blood coming down his neck and stuff. And the next. Oh no. Somehow every time you go to tell <laughs> the good part of the story, your sound cuts off. Or here, should I put it on airplane mode and just Wi-Fi then? Because this is like I get. I don't know. know. It, That's the Hannibal question. Okay. <laughs> and, and yeah. Well, we can hear you fine now, but uh, okay. for some reason, it's always at the best part. Okay, okay, okay. Try to get this out. Try to get this out. So we get uh, it was blood on this guy's neck. Um, he, we watched him get stabbed in the neck, and then uh, he, the 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 black guy took off. The Mexican guy took off. Mexican guy went to go get somebody or whatever, and uh, like they both go off and call people. They're they're calling people, and they're gonna like meet up here at this hotel, like but which then, is right next to the one we're staying. At. But we were in the lobby of that hotel, and we see the 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 the, the black dude come in there, and he said uh, he said this guy just tried to shoot me. He pulled a gun out and and he shot at me, and we saw it. He, we saw it happen. He didn't try to shoot him. He stabbed, he stabbed him. He was, was kind of lying. And so like, oh, shoot, this guy's going to get like falsely accused or something. And um, so we started, we're walking the hotel looking for that guy with a knife. Because, you know, it's a, it's a short, it's a short life. A lot of people think we're cra crazy for it. But, you know, we're, yeah, we're even getting involved. But, yeah. but our, our, our motives were like, hey, man, let's, let's try to keep both these guys from doing something stupid, you know, that'll affect the rest of the life. Yeah. Basically. And so we saw this Mexican guy and it's like a movie. He was, he was on the third floor walking down the hallways, whistling the kill bill, uh, the, that, that kill bill sound. There. It was like really weird, the scary stuff. And so he walks around the corner, he has blood and he said, you two look like good boys. You don't need to die today. I suggest you stay back. And, um, and, and I told him, I was like, buddy, we're not afraid to die, but you're too good for this. And we, uh, we actually prayed with him right there and we said, you're too good for this. You're going to waste your life over this guy right here. This guy's going to, this guy's, you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison if you kill this guy. And he said, I have, um, my, my cousins and families are, are, are the, a block over and they're all MS 13 and they're going to shoot this place up. I know this guy's family staying here, all this stuff. So, uh, we calm him down. Ross stayed, Ross stayed with him, uh, no, I stayed with him and Ross walked off to go find the other guy to calm yeah, him down. Yeah, the other guy, the black dude, his family, his family was staying in the hotel and I, and and they're all distraught and stuff. And I just go, you guys, just stay, stay in here. Everything's gonna be okay. We're, we're talking. He, he found the guy, and then the guy said, I'm, "I'm worried about my family." So then Ross went over and yeah. calmed down or talked to his family, said it was gonna be okay. And so then uh, that the that dude the the black dude did get a gun we saw him get a gun out like don't do this this is stupid and we you kind of see in his eyes that he was he had that like lost look like i'm gonna do something stupid you can like you can tell in his eyes like they're like i'm gonna he's gonna do something he was real and, what, and when we prayed with that like when we prayed with the, the mexican guy you saw that lost look too but after we said amen it was like uh like almost like a cry for help you saw that glaze look go away like he's there for a second so then cops pull up and he's like, if I get, if I get arrested, I'm, I'm going to go to prison. This guy stabbed me. I'm, should I just, should I go and shoot him in front of the cops? Like, Hell no. <laughs> we snuck, we grabbed him. We um, threw him over a fence because he's bleeding pretty bad. We um, snuck him into our hotel room 
uh, put a tourniquet on his neck, tied it real tight. Uh, the cops came out. The, the cops were looking all over, and we hear the black guy talking to the cops, saying this guy shot at him and all this stuff. And and uh, the cops believed them, and so we're like, oh shoot, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna get in a lot of trouble. And um, the cops walk up to us and asked us, did you see did you see what happened? And what we saw was the guy jump over a fence. And so I was like, yeah, he ran that way and jumped over the fence. He probably messed up and lied to yeah, the Yeah, we didn't say he went over the fence and then proceeded yeah. to go into And he's in room 302 in my hotel room. You know, but uh, no, it, it's, it, was, it was pretty trippy. But yeah, we went in there with that guy. And to us, that's what wrestling wrestling's about. We tried seeking, you know, getting as famous as possible and getting as big as possible. But it's about the relationships. And you know, there's a lot of broken hearts in wrestling right now. And, and we know that God kind of brought us to that point to see that guy at that exact time to leave the show early and be there right then. We're sitting with that guy. Well, that's what he told us. Yeah. You guys. Cause man, that's very uncharacteristic that you guys would leave that show early. You know, another yeah. interesting part of that. And, <laughs> and it, it didn't even dawn on me until you started telling the story again. You guys weren't even supposed to stay at that hotel. This is really yeah. wild. True. So like, thing that I mean, was in San Antonio, we had had an uh, issue with uh Priceline overbooking the hotel we were supposed to stay in. So you guys were never even supposed to be where you were at. We were supposed to be somewhere else. Well, I never even thought about it until just now. In a way, it was exactly where we were supposed to be. You know, yeah, you know, it's crazy how that worked out. You know, and so that guy was sitting in our room and he was just uh, flabbergasted at what just happened and why we we're helping him and stuff. And we, he, he, yeah, like, he finally got him calmed down. He's like, I don't know why I'm here. And we had a, it was just, since we prayed, you know, I don't remember, like, I don't know, these words, the words were just coming to me, but it was kind of trippy. It was just like, we're telling them that you're, you're going to be, you might have a job where you talk to kids that are in your position right now. You've experienced all this crazy life. You've probably had a, a screwed up upbringing, but I say, you're, you're going to have a life where you, where, where you encourage people that maybe, maybe you're going to be a mentor or a speaker or something. And, and we we're just encouraging. I was like, I was like, I, I don't know if you had a dad. But there's a God up there that loves you, and and he 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 put he put us in your lives today, right now, to tell you that. And he just started bawling, and crying so Man, hard. I was I still have that blue shirt I was wearing. Yeah. It's still covered in blood to this day. He hasn't washed it. It's a blue shirt with blood on it, and we you know want to frame it one day. So Actually, I tried washing it. The blood doesn't. Oh, you did wash it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a memory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just, to me. It's like uh, that doesn't even tell the story of all of the wonderful things you guys did for people all along just our journey together you know it was it was great seeing you guys come in at first and seeing you be just you know wrestlers then at, at a certain point not too far along in that journey it became family and it, you know it was weird because like so many of us in that group were like a family and you guys became locker room leaders amongst all of that and and from what you said the other day you guys carried it on to mlw and that's amazing it's amazing. And that's that that trips us out. We started off at, you know, world class, kind of like flies on the wall. We were just absorbing. There's these big names over there. There's like guys like Sting, Steiner, and um, uh, MVP, Chavo, these guys, Jim Cornette, guys we like really like looked up to and stuff. And our first match was, you know, we were green as snot. We, we were we were really <laughs> they were patient with us. And, and uh, yeah, after that first mat- match, it was pretty – uh, not discouraging, but I was like, man, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Are we just embarrassing the family or, or, or should we be wrestling? Is this what we should be doing? And there's a lot of questions and stuff. And that car ride home, 
was a, yeah, it was a long car ride home. It was literally a long car. It's like three hours, but also it, was, it felt longer than that. And figuratively too, we got home and then yeah, Jerry called us a few days later and or you called us a few days later and you said, Hey, I want to, I feel terrible at how that went. And I, I want to, I want you guys to, I want to do a, a tour of Texas with the Von Erics. I think it was uh, one of the first times world-class did a, a tour in Texas or whatever. And it so was. that been a lot to us because we've never been main event. We were young boys in Japan. And uh, before that, you know, mid card guys, you know, and then for us to be main event anywhere just meant so much, like rocked us. And so that's when really when we saw that, you know, like, we saw a lot of, a lot of hope or people saw something in us. And so it made us believe in ourselves too, a little more like maybe this is where we're supposed to be. And we tried just to match, uh, match the level that we, we were, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the main event level. And it, 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 it spoke so much to us, but almost took the pressure off looking at wrestling more like a, you know, almost like a ministry. There's a lot of kids, um, heartbroken kids without dads. Cause I, I wanted to have kids really bad for a long time. And as soon as I got married, I wanted to have kids and, doctors told me I would have a one out of eight chance to have kids and it messed me up pretty bad. And that was when I was in world-class and when, uh, when I realized that there was a lot of fatherless kids at these shows, you know, just hanging out by the autograph table saying like this, uh, like kind of this like magnets that are stuck to us. And you start loving on them, hugging them, joking with them and stuff. That that's what really made me, me like personally and Ross fall in love with wrestling. We loved it because our uncles did it, but this, that's when I it was almost like, I like I started loving wrestling too. I saw like the, the people that wrestling brings. Yeah, yeah. It's temporary peace, you know, for for that 30 minutes, that hour, two hour long show. You forget about, you know, your boss, your boss has to talk to you tomorrow. You're gonna get fired tomorrow. You're whatever is going on in your life, your your wife's leaving you. It temporarily goes away. We've had friends come to shows and my wife said she's gonna leave me if I show up to this show, but I'm just gonna forget <laughs> about it. Two hours and we're like shoot man. you can worry about it after the show <laughs> you remember one thing that, that we used to say whenever we would go out there you know we'd be like pay attention to the people that come like look at them and you'll see the ones that need your help oftentimes it's on their face or it's in the words they say to you and you know it, it wasn't just us but how many other people on that roster caught people that looked out looked like they needed help i mean it was like for that period of time man like we were all just running around helping people it was it was wild it was it was very you kind of set the tone you're like a, a people person you know and you're not the cookie cutter promoter like that all the other <laughs> rest like oh you know don't trust any promoter and they're all in it for whatever and just you really are just a he like this guy loves people and, yeah. and he, he like made that a focal point like, man that's the way to, to yeah, he'll, he'll put people before him even if it puts them in a bad way and and that that's like uh I get like like worldly wise they 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 would they would say we were like uh, I guess not naive. busy yeah naive but not but but you know relationships are important and, and and they and they can they can come back to you either to to haunt you or to or to benefit you later in life but there I've made a we made a lot of good relationships through wrestling and to me if I died tomorrow it was all worth it every bit of it just just, just what's what, where our careers have been. Career-wise, I, I didn't really have any crazy expectations, and I knew that we were going to do something as kids together. We knew we were something together, knowing what it was. I knew my biggest. Oh, you're freezing. There's something that's happening. I don't know if you guys can hear me, but you're freezing up again. Oh, okay. It's a great frozen picture, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what is it? Is it? Is a great frozen? Oh, sick. Okay. Oh, it's great. It's starting to move again a little bit now, but 
Uh, maybe I'll just pop you guys out and in and see if that makes a difference. Yeah, it's a Hawaii Wi-Fi. <laughs> the Hawaii Wi-Fi. You know what, though? I mean, even if it's the Hawaii Wi-Fi, you guys live in definitely the most beautiful part of Hawaii. You know, whenever I went out there with you guys and, and we went to, where did we go outside of there? We went to Oahu, right? Is that where else yeah. we went? We went to Oahu for a few days, right? That had nothing on Kauai. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like, yeah, that's like the New York of, of uh, Kauai. Yeah. yeah. Or like a mini Japan. It's yeah. like, there's a lot of Japanese over there. That's why we also wanted to start wrestling over there because we did one show and it was like, they reminded us so much of Japan. Yeah, that's crazy. So many spots. The crowd was like super hot and stuff. But uh, Are they we still were, doing good over there? Is that still a thing? Um, it, it, it's a new, uh, it's a new promotion. New promotion. They're, they're running shows, I think, once a month. I don't know if they still are, but it's Goose Wrestling. Yeah, they're off and on. How's Chris doing? You guys still keep up with Chris? Yeah, man, yeah. he's he's doing. He's our he's our sparring partner. He, he the reason you know we, we saw something in him. He had the MMA background and then ten years in act, acting, and uh, he just loved wrestling. Knew everything about every part of wrestling and wanted to learn. He, he, you know, yeah, I'm sure you know he's called you and to get advice and stuff. But yeah, he think he just had a show in Alaska. He's been wrestling monthly over at Oost, and he's just doing what doing what he can in Hawaii to become a professional wrestler to live that dream. It's a little harder over here with there not being as much wrestling, but I'm uh, definitely encouraged to see that he's trying to make it work and doing it. You know, I think that was one thing. You know, like when you guys first came over, you know, and and you were disappointed in the match. Like I understood, like you guys didn't have anywhere to work over there. You know, you didn't have, I mean, other than outside in your yard or on the beach or whatever, you didn't have like a ring to practice in. And, and, you know, I've always been a firm believer that wrestling is, is a connection between you and the people that watch it. And you don't have to be the world's best worker to get over. You know, they have to believe in what you're selling to them. And when you're being genuine and, and that's how you are in real life, it's an easy sell because you're just being yourself. And I think that, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it never really mattered the match that you had because you had this genuine attachment to people and they had it to you. And so that worked, you know, and I think that works on any platform, whether it be WWE, MLW, world class, whatever. I think wrestling is an emotional attachment to a character. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you guys had that part down from day one. You know, I think you got more comfortable as time went along with who you were, but you had that part since the first day. And that's a, that's encouraging. Yeah, I, yeah man, I, I appreciate that. that. That's that's true. You know, we have these fans. Some of them are just so loyal. And at the very beginning of our career, we're kind of just like, I don't know. I, I don't know if we were just, you know, you, you just don't get it for a while. Like yeah. It doesn't click. Things don't really register. You know, but we, but like you're saying, we just, we really did, you know, have the, this connection with the fans and we really did love them, you know, and it just, yeah. it slowly but surely it's like coming out and it has come out because, you know, in the beginning of your career, you're so like a fr fragile and insecure kind of, you're, oh, yeah. we're third generation wrestlers and we just, we just don't want to embarrass our family to, to be honest. We, we just want to go out there and, and be a complete failure and for these people to believe in us. Even though we know we're green, we we, we we couldn't stand watching any of our matches for the first like two or three years. And and then, uh, it, but for those people to still believe in you and come back and keep watching and keep cheering for you, it was just like, should we owe it to, to all these people? And, yeah, and we at least owe them our best. Let's at least give yeah. them 100%, you know, and just totally commit. 
And it, it was that world class where we went, finally went all in and, and started believing it. And like, I, I, I noticed that I was like, okay, uh, I'm, I don't, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not invested. I can see my face. And I'm not fully committing. And then I, we're, we were, uh, we were, we was like one of our first times main eventing for you. And I was coming back and I got like, uh, I was doing my comeback and I, I started getting choked up while I was screaming and, uh, and clotheslining. And I was like, I think I'm invested now. Like I got tears. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, I'm doing what I love right now. Well, I think, man, I think that, like you said, sometimes it doesn't come at first. But the important thing is that it does come, and it did with you guys. I mean, you know, you went on, and I, I think a lot of it, too, it, it wasn't the easiest locker room to come in when you see all of, all of those people that were in it. You know? right. that, that's not exactly the easiest way to get thrown into something. Like, hey, by the way, here's all of these WWE stars, and here's Jim Ross that's going to be watching you. And <laughs> yeah, it's important. <laughs> yeah. Then getting chewed out by him after we got chewed out by Chavo and MVP and they chewed us out like you're brothers what the hell but it it was stuff that we took with us for the rest of our careers like yeah like it was like the worst thing ever as it was happening but it was also the best yes. thing ever because we kind of remembered it was like scarred into us you know embarrassment's like, a great teacher it, it, it really, really is, is. yeah <laughs> totally. if you get embarrassed one time you won't do it again especially by somebody you really respect and when Chavo, when Chavo said, uh, when, when he told us, uh, that's your brother out there. What, what are you going to do if you see your brother getting jumped by two guys? What are you going to sit there and watch? And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to sit there and watch. He's like, it's a fight. And they just clicked when he said that. Like, it's a fight. That's my brother. The referee better get out of my way or I'm going to throw him out of my way. You know, and it, it, it changed it for us. Did uh, Chavo visit with you guys this week? Yeah, he just came. Yeah, he, he was just on Kawhi. <laughs> Yeah, I talked to him a couple of days ago, and he's like, I'm here, but you're not. And I was like, well, you didn't tell me you were going this time. <laughs> Man, no, why is that not a yearly thing? That was so over. We need to put that down on our calendars and make it a yearly thing. Should, yeah. Yeah. We got to bring Hannibal TV with you this time, man. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he would love Kauai. Who wouldn't? I've actually seen the videos of your your adventures there, and it looks pretty cool. I also saw the video of you guys visiting the Sportatorium grounds after it was torn down. But there's a fan on here, Dan, that wants to know if you ever went there when you were younger, and I don't think you did. No, no, I, I we've driven past it and things like that. But did you yeah, ever go when there? I was a young kid, I, I, I mean, I walked around the building, but at that time it was all boarded up you know and so that, that's why it was such a special moment that mlw got that on you know on tv that that was the first time all three of us yeah, were there all, yeah all three of us yeah and then I, I wish they would have put everything that was said in there because my dad he talked for a minute and it was like some powerful stuff I, my dad doesn't get choked up and like cry easily but that but yeah he, he started talking about you know what all this blood and sweat and tears and the the, the heartaches the the, yeah, the broken hearts the the times of joy and yeah, everything yeah. shared in that yeah and, and he was standing in the spot like this is where the ring would have been and he was you know as he was telling us these things and it's just we saved a rock we all picked up rocks and mlw got that we all picked up rocks that still remember it's remember that day forever but i my dream is to one day when we're uh, when all of us here are billionaires, we're gonna rebuild the Sportatorium. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's wild is I actually called the people that bought it. Uh, I guess it was it was either early this week or late last week, and wanted to talk to them, and then they, they never returned my call. I looked it up and I was like, I wonder what they want for that. Yeah. I know, I know. So somebody did buy it. Yeah, a development group bought it. Uh, I guess sometime last year, 
and they I don't to my knowledge they've done nothing with it. And yeah, people uh, in Texas wanted to make it a historical like landmark and uh, I mean it should have been. That'd have been awesome. You know, I don't think the the younger people probably understand just how big world class was. You know, world class was instrumental in so many of the developments that you see in wrestling today, miking the ring, the camera work, uh just the way it was filmed in general. You know, back at that time, nobody had seen anything like that. I think uh, your grandfather was uh, the first people to do international television. I mean, there were so many landmarks that that world class was the first to do. Yeah, you know, that's that's what was trippy to us is, you know, my, my grandpa, when he hired a team to, to kind of help, help him, it's kind of when things kind of blew up. And he, yeah, they they were sending their channel to the to the Jordan channel. And uh, that's why our name got so or, dad at least got really big in israel it was a it was the first time that their tv ratings were a hundred percent and so it was after shabbat they would turn their tvs on and watch all, all that was on tv was that one channel was wrestling and so my dad said he flew to israel and it was the first time he got weak in the knees from just a crowd of sea of people and he said there's a he's like i'll never forget that yeah you know, I, I was in the middle east and people knew my name was, that's when i realized it was bigger than i thought yeah you know wrestling itself the uh, the fact that you can, you know, expand and transcend wrestling and uh, and then you see Arabs and Jews, you know, cheering and putting their arms around each other at, at the show. When yeah. they're, you know, it's crazy. It just can bring people together. And that's what, you know, we see wrestling as, you know, we just want to yeah. heal people and, you know, you know, shine light and just encourage people and, and get healed. Man, it's, it's the, the fans do just as much for us oh, totally. than anything we can offer. You know, it's it's. It's uh, yeah, they definitely they're like the highlight of any of our trips, you know, just hanging yeah, out. We, yeah, we need them totally big time. Weren't you guys in Israel as well? I seem to recall uh, seeing yeah. something. How was that <laughs> yeah. experience? Yeah, Dude, it was it was so cool. It was 2017, it's actually when we we're the world class tag team champs, so we brought those belts over there and defended them. But it was my dad's retirement match, and uh, it was one of the most special slow, it went in slow motion, it felt like because it was. We we're in the ring with my dad, and uh, they, they got this huge basketball stadium or whatever. And I don't know how well it was promoted, but a lot of people showed up. And there was, uh, yeah, the number one sports channel was there. And it, it was crazy to see how much respect, because, you know, every boy, if you have a good relationship with your dad, it's, it's, yeah, you, you love to see people love your dad. And that's why we also have so much respect for people that don't have a good relationship with their dad, because, you know, they're, they're trying to be a good man and having a role model just helps so much. And that's why we got a lot of admiration and respect from people that they can do without. But we got there and these guys, anytime my dad would talk, they would just like look into to his like, look deep into his eyes and this grin. They were so happy he was there. And then uh, when the match started, the people were just so filled with joy. I saw, yeah, we saw Arabs and Jews with their arms around each other, like cheering and stuff and hugging when my dad would get in the ring and it was a, it was like an emotional moment, and it was the first time my nieces and nephews got to watch us wrestle. And our whole, all twenty one of us, our entire family family was there in the front row. And it was like I couldn't even look at them. You know, I started get like a mo. Like, I was like, oh shoot, that's my family. This is crazy. And my dad was there. And my dad was sitting there. And he's like, drop to a little snap, man. He's like telling me move for move, and it was like so fun. Yeah, awesome. and then we'd we'd tag each other out, and then my dad would be in there and we'd be talking but he, it wasn't work he, it wasn't a work he was you know literally giving us advice yeah okay, next time you go in there boom 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 do this that <laughs> it's it exactly so what awesome. you think he would be saying to us in the match and just we hit the triple claw dude that was that was uh when we're all when we had i looked over and ross had the claw i had the claw and then my dad finally sticks his it was 
it was so cool in the place. It felt like there was a hundred thousand people in there at the time. It, it, it just, it, it blew up. And then afterwards we got in the back and there was like no words would come. There was just laughing and kind of choked up. You know, one of my favorite pictures of that trip was uh, the three of you, whenever you all had your arms around each other and it looked like, I guess you were probably praying. And yeah, right before we're coming out. Right before yeah, we're coming that's, out. that's one of my favorite picks of the three of you. And, and you know, it was so humbling to watch that to see you guys take the championships over there and defend them like that. And I know, I know, it was a special moment for you guys for sure. But it was, it was to me and probably everybody else that watched it. You know, I mean that there's something about connecting the dots, and you know, working that match with your dad. You know, is connecting that dot and. You know, it's something that we'll probably never see again. But it was something that you guys and and your dad gave people that meant a lot, not just in wrestling, but meant a lot to them personally in their heart. And that was amazing in itself. You know, another thing that that comes to mind, too. What was it like when you guys teamed with Iceman? <laughs> oh, man, that was, that was, that was another like. Or I guess just start from the time, start from the moment where when, when you guys met him all the way to, to whenever he teamed with you. I don't know if you guys know this part of it. But uh, he really didn't even know he was wrestling until, like, uh, that night before. <laughs> yeah, and me and Justin Robertson came up with it. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it came up. Something happened, and I was like, man, what are we going to do tomorrow? And he's like, you know what's got to be done. And I'm like, what? He's like, Iceman's got a team with him. And I was like, well, are you going to go tell him? He's like, no, you're going to go tell him. Oh, yes. so i go over there and i'm like hey man i i need a favor tomorrow and he's like what do you need i told him what work i was like you know all you got to do is take the hot tag and and you know you'll do your thing and that'll be that just be safe what happens that next night he was in the ring y'all tagged him in in like the first five minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah he wanted he was it, begging for that tag what are you gonna do you know he's like tag me now <laughs> like, oh man let's not give them their cookies yet yeah he's like, he's like give it he wanted it but uh, man I, that was it was awesome i was a little stressed out though because you care about him so much you don't want him to get like to break something or whatever but he he stayed in one piece he did a, he, he did a good job and it was cool to see his, his son-in-law didn't realize what a big of a deal he was until we started doing shows and stuff and that was pretty cool to see that relationship you see how just how much respect he had for his father-in-law after that after seeing the kind of it's the kind of response he got Iceman is he's the ice man my dad my dad loves that guy. Loves that guy so much. When they see each other, they both can't hear, and so they're like <laughs> really hard, like hugging and what, what? They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't actually get anywhere in the conversation. Uh, just, just smiles and hugs mostly. Just an hour long of greetings. <laughs> you know, it, it was wild how it came full circle from that first time you guys teamed to the North Texas show. You know, like to me, the North Texas show was a, you know, probably one of my favorite just because of the meaning of it all and the way it was set up it was amazing that was the most fun we've ever had in a wrestling ring and we were talking about this the other day you could see in our faces that we were genuinely having fun ross's like high school football coaches were there my middle school coaches were there my hockey coach was there yeah uh, like yeah a bunch of my teachers like this is our hometown so this is childhood friends exactly what you think like you know when you're a kid and you imagine like okay we're wrestling and like all my, my friends, friends are there, there, you know, my coaches are there, my surgery crush was there. Yeah, you know, all, <laughs> all that stuff. And it was actually really happening. And you know, we watched the match, but man, we were having fun because we were. Yeah. And yeah, Jerry, I mean, you made it all happen. Yeah. And that was that was like a, one of one of the biggest moments in our 
and then Lacey was it, it was a group effort for sure. You know, I mean, Ren Baker, we got to thank Ren for making that happen. Jim Ross had a big hand in making that happen, you know. Yeah. I little Jerry was just there to put the pieces together. <laughs> I pointed right away. Good crush right in her face, and I was like, "Who's a loser now?" And then I walked off and <laughs> basically curb stomped my face into the guardrail. But it's all good though. She 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 still saw it happen. So there, there's a few fans on here that have wanted to know if you saw the dark side of the ring on your family. I think your father was involved in it. I haven't seen it, but uh, I'm just bringing it up because a bunch of the fans have wanted yeah. to hear your opinion. Yeah, man. I, so they actually came out here to film that. And uh, and we, we were there on set the whole time helping with dad. You know, cause my dad's we're basically his translator. He can't hear very well. And so we were uh, we were there on set the whole time. It was uh, Jason and, uh, and Evan. Great guys. And boy, boy, I feel like they, they pulled a they, they, they struck a different chord with my dad because they were genuinely wrestling fans and they cared and actually knew. And so they weren't just like some producers they sent out here. It was they were actual like genuine wrestling fans. They loved the old stuff. And so they, they knew a lot about the family already. And um, so they're asking all the right questions and, and, and watching my way. The one that hit me is my dad told the gun story when he, you know, all those brothers were, were gone and walked into that gun store. And he said he either, he, he didn't want to kill himself because he knew that, that, that the enemy wins. Some, he said, he, I didn't know what it was at the time. I was still searching. But something wanted me dead. He took everybody I loved, and everybody I loved was gone. And he's like, "So I just I didn't want to I didn't want to kill myself because I thought that was that was the, the easy way out." But at the same time, he didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, he didn't want to live. She said, so, "So he said he wanted to go to prison and fight. He wanted to do something where just make his life miserable, like punish himself in a way." And, and so it was just it was, it was trippy. And then he put a put a shotgun in his pant leg, and he said he stiff legged out of there and looked back, and all it was all these old country Texas men and. And he just looked at him with a mad look on his face, and the, the gun owner or the owner of the store said, "Love you, Kev." And he said that he, he just nodded his head and walked out, and they just broke him, rocked him. And- yeah, and you know, and all these people in Texas, they they knew his whole story, and they were hurting with him, and they, yeah. you know, they they were just looking at him like, "This guy's been through so much grief, and he's just trying to make sense of it all, you know, in his human mind." And, you know, this is how he's dealing with it, you know, and then he walked back in, returned the gun, and, you know, thank you guys. Every step he took was under a microscope, it's under cameras, and we're no way saying the Von Erics are perfect or whatever, we're, and that's what we're, we, we know what we come from, but we, we come from a, a pretty crazy story, suicides, drugs, all that stuff, but, you know, that, that's why we hold each other accountable and, and, and stay close to each other, check up on each other. Now, I love you. Feeling good? You feel, you're, you're, you're positive. How's your head? How's your how's your heart? You know, and we we check up on each other because yeah, we are Von Erics and we're overthinkers. You can get hard on yourself. You can get, uh, you know, whatever it is. It's it's hard not to over critique yourself. And so that's why we having a brother helps you take life lightly and make a joke of the moment. And uh, a good example of that: we're on this plane going to Florida one time, and our plane almost oh. crashed. It was crazy. Almost. Yeah, well, it got struck by lightning. Lights went out. And it started to take a nosedive. We, we were like, it was pitch black in the airplane, and it was, and we were like free falling for like, what, it felt like 10 seconds. Probably it was five long. seconds. Yeah. So Ross was in the row behind me, and it was like, like okay, we're I'm legit about to die right now. I knew it was about to happen. And my life was flashing before my eyes, but I got this like peace. It was crazy. So I was like, man, am I, I, I going to say I believe in God, or am I actually going to live it? And so um, I look back at Ross, and uh, 
all everybody screaming has terror terrified looks on their faces and i look at ross and he looks at me and i, I don't know if it was like a panic thing but i was like and then uh the, the lights came back on and but but I, it was good to see i was like okay dude it, it we, we, we were at peace if anything ever did happen you know yeah, <laughs> but, yeah that, that proves we're not afraid to die in this yeah situation. yeah exactly i think it's important to note like you guys you know when people think of the family name a lot of times like they do think of the tragedy part of it but you know, it's important that they know the redemption part of it, too. You know, your dad is doing really well. You know, he's in a good place. And I think it's important that people know. I say all the time whenever I talk about you guys to people that that uh, it's important that they know what kind of people you guys are. You guys don't live that life. You know, you live, you live a very good life. You are everything that you're advertised to be. And you guys don't come out and necessarily say it. But I think it's important that people know that. Because it is true. What you guys live and how you come across, it's true. It's all true. And, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that too. It's that's a that means a lot. That means a lot. And you know, it's 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 hard to complain, man. We're uh, I get to travel the world with my brother and we get to we get to do what what, what we thought the coolest thing in the world was, which was pro- professional wrestling. Our dad and uncles could have been trash men, and I, that's probably what I would have been, you know. You I, know, but now my dad's living like vicariously through us, and he's like, yeah. And it's just, he says it's just like having his brothers like here because we get home and we all talk about the road stories or whatever when we yeah. get back. And my dad's there, and, he's, he, and, and he says it's just like having my brothers back. And, and we're, we're going to all the places he's been, and, and when we're in the middle of Japan, three months in, and going to these like tiny towns in the middle of nowhere. Knowing that my dad's been there, my grandfather's been there, it just makes you feel like okay, I'm in the right place right now. This is this is where the ones before me have come. And yeah, it's like it's, like it's oddly oddly comfortable in a way because you're just like this. I know this is what I'm meant to do. Like we're we're doing it, and you know the story's not over yet. You know who knows what's in what's you know what's what's in the future. We feel like uh, this is like an eighty chapter book, and we're like in chapter twenty or thirty or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so there's a lot more of the ride left even though wrestling is a fast horse for, for a short ride you know things can come from wrestling we'll, we'll, we'll see but right now our bodies feel great we're we're uh we're, we're healthy or we're we're, we're we're really happy right now and uh, who knows I, I feel i feel like we got a, a lot more years under our belts and the wrestling is the only thing like the only uh like sport, I guess that where where you, the older you get, the the better it is. Almost, you know, it's just the better you get with crowds. And I mean, if you take care of yourself, of course, you know, if you're beating yourself up and you know unnecessarily, unnecessarily, and not taking care of your body, it, I, I can definitely see how that would uh, take years off. But you know, it's 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 enjoyable. You know, we're trying to enjoy it the best we can. Before I forget, uh, you guys watching out there, you can get you can check out. Uh, the Von Erics, I think it's every Saturday at noon on Vice. Uh, I know it's on YouTube too. MLW is on YouTube, and you can also catch all their classic matches on our YouTube here. Uh, and have you guys actually started working again? I don't know if MLW started or not. We went back a few months ago in Florida. We did a yeah, July tenth is our next show. We're, yeah, on Vice, we're going to be shooting new content. Yeah, that's when is, where's that show at? Is it in Florida too? No, it'll, it'll be in Philly at the 2300 Arena. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Don't go there and get all hardcore on me and stuff. <laughs> I did, man. I pulled up, had a barbed wire jacket, baseball bat. 
You're never going to be the same. You're going to show up like that. And then out pops Sabu. And he's like, come on, Von Erics, let's go. What are you going to do in that situation? I know. I, I know. I feel like Sabu like lives there. And, he's like the like the house cleaner or something of 2300 you guys are gonna show up and he's just gonna be ready with a bunch of chairs uh you see yeah. a sandman song is gonna come on yeah. and that was <laughs> that came on and the crowd got behind it that, that was i would listen to that before i got in like high school fights and stuff i'd play sandman in the oh, truck. i mean i remember when you first discovered ecw when we were kids yeah we were like it was pretty dangerous because i was we were like throwing each other off the roof and we almost became so what kind of wrestling did you guys watch growing up that's a that's a good thing to bring up because i don't even know that we've ever talked about that what did y'all grow up watching well of course yeah we watched world class like as younger kids uh yeah we were, we were like raised basically on that you know because when i was young i'd go to the shows and then my dad always had the tapes i used to love watching like tag team matches and then me and my brother would be like wrestling with pillows and you know, this is just like five six years old but then we stole that vhs from jonathan and jordan our friends it was a uh, wwe it was hardcore it was something hardcore steve austin it was, was like it was one of the steve austin like tapes that had a bunch of his highlights from like the attitude era and we were sucked in right there like, we, we instantly, <laughs> instantly we were we were but we had to sneak it though because my dad uh my dad we were watching it on tv and my dad was cool with it and then we were like, you know, really young, and some chick walked out there with a bikini with just handprints on her boobs, and so it was like, wasn't really a bikini. And he's, uh, my dad was like, if your mom sees this, and my mom walks in, and turns it off, or whatever. So after that, we had to start sneaking it or watching it at friends' houses and stuff. And then I remember, like, after a year of it, my dad knew we were, we were watching it. And we were so invested. Um, he said, "You, you guys like this stuff?" And we're like, "We love it. It's the coolest thing ever." And he, and he said, "Well, they're in Dallas right now. You want to go to their show tonight?" And we couldn't believe it. And we thought, like, my dad was an older wrestler. We, we didn't know oh, any wrestler. We're like, Dad, they're not going to know you. I mean, this is <laughs> You know, like, come on. He's like, well, you'll see. You'll see. And we get there. Freaking Undertaker walks up. And he's like, Kevin, like, hugs him. And it was just crazy to see how much respect he had for him. And then Steve Austin, the same thing. And but I was tripping out because I just watched Undertaker, like, hang Boss Man the day or. The, the week before, I watched Bossman get hung. Undertaker hung, and it was like some crazy <laughs> match. And I was like, and I saw Bossman walking by, and I was like, he killed somebody. He's supposed to be dead. And I just, <laughs> I done it smart enough yet. No, he never did. Yeah, yeah. I actually, never did. And we had to find out. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's great. You know, I think, man, I, it, it's been an amazing part to be a small part of you guys' journey, and and to see where you guys are going and, and no telling where you're headed i mean you guys got like what 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 are some dream matches you guys got that you haven't had yet oh man shoot man. there's uh, like uh with current with current talent right now not like dream out of uh, either or or both as i mean we, of course we would love to we, we would have loved to actually work uh work in world class and just you know get to of course, hang, hang out with the uncles and stuff and, 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 and meet some of the maybe some of the, the boys in there. Some of the stories my dad has. I don't know if I would like be excited to meet Terry Gordy or uh, terrified. My dad said that one time uh, they uh, he bought a car and it didn't work. And uh, he drove it through the drove it through the building and broke all the glass. And he said he uh, he like uh, got the guy or the de- the car dealer like, threw him down and like peed on him or something. It was a crazy story. 
uh, and um, I guess made him give his money back. It was a crazy story, but I was like, man, I, back then those guys were just made of something else. You know, they were. They, yeah, they, you know, were, and they were they were upholding their image, you know, and they, they walked around town like that, and they were expected to behave like the freebirds, you yeah. know. So. Yeah, but you, you know, know it's amazing. Was, like, can you imagine really living in that era of kayfabe where you had to uphold that image all the time? I yeah, mean, that was kind of crazy. You know, it, it was. was yeah. yeah, taking different cars, not being able to be around each other. I know that that would be it. If they would have had internet, though, there'd have been a lot of. It would have been really hard. You'd know too much about your heroes and stuff. Oh, you know, Eric Embry told me the other day we were catching up, and he's like, "Jerry, he goes." There's no way. If there would have been social media in the 80s, we'd all been in jail for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like unavoidable back then, it seemed like. That cancel culture crap would be going off right now. Everybody, everybody <laughs> you know, it's amazing to me, just that whole, you brought it up, that whole cancer culture thing in general. Like, you know, at, to me, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. How can you punish to the punish anybody to the point of no return? And what happens when you do punish somebody to the point of no return? You know, what happens if, I mean, if that person runs off and harms themselves or whatever, you know, like you've played a part in that for passing judgment on them and sending them there. You know, I think at some point this cancel culture has to stop. And, you know, ultimately one day we all answer to God for whatever we've done in our lives. And, and God can be the judge. But in my opinion, for what it is, you know, I don't think that any of us have the right to be passing judgment on people and condemning them in one. You know, I think it's such a healthy culture. It's totally. And some people, this is like their only source of income and or how they get bookings, you know, and then you say, you oh, this guy said something stupid 20 years ago. Now, you know. Yeah. I mean, I we've all said stupid things and it's just like I mean, if everyone was under that microscope, I don't see how anyone is. I'm sure it started off with like uh, like a le- legitimate reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was based in truth, I think. And, and, and it got were legitimate ones. And then now it just yeah, it got petty real fast, you know, because a couple of, you know, like a few of that thing, a few of those things were really true. And, and those people probably should not be allowed back into wrestling. But you don't have to condemn them in life in general. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, whenever people do stuff like that, they need help. There's a reason why they did it in the first place, and And it's probably a lot deeper than a wrestling match. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, showing somebody mercy when they when they don't deserve it. In my in my case, that that happened to me one time where I didn't deserve mercy and I got it. That 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 just change or just change yeah it, it works like a hell of a lot better than when somebody's just telling you how rotten you are or how like you right. know you're an idiot or whatever it's just yeah you're just repeating my conscience yeah everybody everybody feels bad about themselves you know everybody's not uh not meeting their impossible expectations in their head of themselves yeah of themselves you know but we put these crazy expectations on ourselves and and uh man i don't i have mercy goes a long way mercy goes a long way you're right. Like, yeah, don't take any of this stuff, guys. Do you guys have a favorite match of your father's? Yeah, I do. My uh, it was a singles match. My personal favorite was him and Chris Adams. Uh, when uh, when Chris Adams, I guess, when he was just turning heel, and uh, he hit my dad uh, with a chair from behind, and it was a, it was a cool angle. But it was in I think it was Texas Stadium, right, or Cotton Bowl. Uh, maybe like Will Rogers or I'm not sure. It was a big stadium. It was, it was a big, big stadium, stadium, but he hit him in the back of the chair 
And Chris Adams at the time was like, he was uh, this British baby face. People loved him, but when he turned, they hated him. And uh, it was it was crazy. You, you, they got a they got a shot of like the girls in the crowd, and they were just like ball crying, like screaming. I thought my dad my dad was like dead or whatever, but that was one of my favorite angles because they were killing each other. They, they were, and then the the next week after that. Uh, was probably my favorite match when dad got revenge, you know, yeah. on Chris Adams and then used the chair on him. If you watch those matches, though, they are so snug. My dad broke his cheekbone. Chris Adams dislocated his jaws, broken noses. Like they were, they were, uh, they were killing each other. It was crazy. I'm sure were. Have you guys ever heard the story about Chris Adams super kicking the guy's eye out of socket in Israel? Is it- uh, yeah, it was in Israel. It was like a, was it at a bar or was a no, wait, go ahead. Yeah, retell that one if you wanted that. I don't know all the details to it. I was just wondering if you guys had heard it. I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and he brought it up. He was actually cro- close to Chris and uh, he said it was true. Could I, you know, I had heard it originally. I think it was Missy Hyatt had told me for the first time. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, he super kicked his eye out of socket. Like, I guess was your dad, he had to have been there yeah. for that. No, so so David Manning uh, was on our podcast a few weeks ago, and I believe he talked about it. And then uh, they had to sneak him out of the country, like right then, because they said there was about to be like uh, a huge uproar. They had to sneak him out of the country and fly him back to the states because, uh, oh, wasn't it a flight uh, flight attendant? Too? I know, I know, he he headbutted a flight attendant like like multiple times, and it was just blood fest everywhere. Yeah. And my dad like, and it was like I think it was like a fourteen hour flight. And my dad was like working on kind of like smoothing things out before, you yeah. know, he, I think he almost even tried to change clothes so he could be, my it, dad put on his bloody shirts. He loved Chris. My, my dad's always got a soft place for troublemakers, I guess. But Chris was, uh, when he would drink, he said he would change. My dad said he'd see his eyes change. It's a different person. It's not different him. Person. It wasn't him. Yeah. Yeah. And he said it wasn't Chris Adams. And so when he'd drink, he'd just a different. He's like, I'll put on the shirt. And then when I have to deal with people, I'll be the rational one. And I'm not going to be, you know you know violent or whatever chris uh, adams was i was like did it work when you change shirts and he's like no not at all <laughs> no they're like oh, that guy just put on that guy shirt. yeah and, uh yeah <laughs> that's wearing a bloody shirt obviously uh, you know as far as i can recall i i think chris adams was the originator of the super kick as far as i can recall anyways yeah and it's amazing just yeah, how big that move has gotten over it's been killed actually over the years. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but you know, whenever there's a super kick counter, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now you see it. You're it's you're surprised if you don't see a few super kicks in a match nowadays. <laughs> Marshall, yeah, you mentioned that uh, you were in uh, some high school fights. Did you have to defend yourself much with your dad being a famous wrestler or get bullied at all when you guys were younger? And yeah, did you ever put the iron claw on somebody in a real fight? That, no, we, we still have a, we, we still want that to be, we want, we want, not want it to happen, but if it ever happens, I see like a knocked out dude sitting there that deserved it. I'm going to claw him. But, you know, uh, uh, yeah, high school fights, a lot of the time Ross would, uh, if, if older kids would try to fight me, Ross usually took care of my bullies and stuff. But as far as getting bullied, like with kids my own age, um, not that much. We, uh, we, we, we were boys, country boys. We got a lot of scuffles and stuff, but, um, I, I remember growing up as kid, as a kid, I would 
like I didn't talk much, but I got in fights like you wouldn't believe. I would, I was like every other week, I would like my dad saved a bunch of these uh, notes, and one of them was like for me in second grade. He came, uh, uh, Dave or Russ came into Miss Harper's class and threatening all the boys that he was going to kick the crap out of all of them. You know, like that because these kids were they were stomping this snake. And I was like, no, let him live. And I was like throwing kids everywhere or whatever. And then uh, <laughs> and then recess was over. And then I go into their class and say that. And I got expelled for like. My dad was so proud, though. He's like, it took us to Chuck E. Cheese. It took him to Chuck E. Cheese. And <laughs> it, it, it was uh, my, my dad. My dad's not. Like, yeah, he, 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 if, he said if, if, you know, if you're on the right, he's going to usually got a reward. So yeah. I didn't. Hear too much about getting kicked out. Or like, if you get a fight in a school, if you get a fight in school and you're defending somebody, a, a weak person, or beating up a bully, you will not get in trouble. You are, I'm, I give you a hundred or a hundred percent. You're allowed to punch them. And so we had that that uh, that comfort at school knowing if I, we see someone getting bullied, we're we're allowed to hit them. One time I did though, I had a bully that was, um, it was like three grades above me. I was in like probably second or first or second grade maybe, and there was like this fourth grader. That would always pick on me, and um, and my dad, I was like, would tell him. So my dad came to uh, came to school the next day, and like within ten minutes, the entire playground, he's wrestling with all of them. You know, he's playing with my bully. You know, and the bully's like on my dad, like on his shoulders, like dad, you're supposed to beat him up, not like, <laughs> uh, you know. But I never had a problem with him again. After. Yeah, you know, the kid would stop bullying, bullying after. But as we got older, um, honestly, the bullying, if, if it came from anybody, it come from the teachers. There, there's yeah. teachers that would assume that we we're going to be rich, snobby kids. And, you know, my dad made us bust our butts our whole lives pulling fences acres with 50 head of cattle, black Angus. You know, we were shoveling cow crap and working. We had to work for everything. He, he just didn't want us to be entitled, spoiled kids. So it was... That, that was kind of that was the fundamental of everything in our lives. But there's teachers that pre assumed that they're going to be snobby kids and just kind of rude you in class. Um, you, uh, yeah, wouldn't they borrow pencils and go buy your own, you know, or something like that, rich boys and stuff like that. And we're even, we're even rich, you know. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, people would just assume things. And I remember always like, you don't understand it as a kid. And you're like, when a teacher would find out. I noticed in, uh, I think in, uh, it's like maybe fifth grade, I had a teacher that was like, hey, some kid who'd been in our house the previous weekend was like, hey, Ross is that wrestler? And he's like, oh, really? And then they said, um, and he was like, told him who it was. And the teacher was like, no, that's impossible. No, that's not true. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then finally, uh, something happened. Like, uh, my dad came to school to pick me up one day and, from that point on, like she would just not talk to me, and um, it's kind right. of out. If something was like, off, I'm not putting my name in a spot, like on a paper. Just, there's little stuff like that, you know. But then your then dad would always give you just a, a curveball of an answer. You don't know what they're going through. You know, I've told you this, Jerry, but you know, dad. Uh, you know, since dad, dad's been through a lot of death and turmoil and all that stuff. He says, you know, death can do two things to a man. It can, you know, it can harden you towards the world and towards other people, or it can soften you up and make you compassionate towards people who are suffering. And that's definitely, it's like almost the, the, the more unlovable a person is, the more they kind of need to be loved. It, it's, there's always a route to, to, to why they're acting the way they are, or why they're bitter, why they're, why they're pissy or whatever. And 
And I think that's been one of the most valuable things that, that dad's kind of gave to us is about, it's not burning bridges with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first step is just to try to relate to where they're at rather than just be reactionary and be like, hey, that pissed me off. Like, yeah. You know, whatever. You did me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think oftentimes, I think more often than not, people always want to talk about your dad, right? But what about Pam? What about your mom? I mean, because, you know, I think your mom's an amazing lady. She was so good to me while while I was there. Like, why, why don't you guys talk about her for a minute? Because I think that's often lost in wrestling, you know? Honestly, my mom, uh, she's she's great, but she can't she can't do any, like, claw slams. She's, she's, not, she's a lousy wrestler. Terrible uh, wrestler. And... Uh, <laughs> a terrible workout or workout no she's she's like uh you know, I mean, mom, mom's a rock of this family man he, she's a the glue she's she, yeah classic mom anytime you have friends over you boys want sandwiches coming with a plate <laughs> and, on and stuff it's crazy you know one of those like the classic what you think of you know the mom duties would be and just super would talk you could pour out your heart to her about anything you know tell her about your day my mom went to the bathroom one time over at a sushi restaurant she was in the bathroom for like an hour and 30 minutes where is she and then i was like 12 and i opened the girl's bathroom door to see if my mom was in there she's sitting with like three other girls all holding hands and crying and like praying and stuff and like some girls went through like a divorce and my mom was there like encouraging her and stuff and Oh so, yeah, we we're at Costco looking for water hoses one day, and then she she asked the guy where it was, and you know, three hours later, the guy's like pouring out his heart to her. Like, she had a way of getting the baddest dudes too. Yeah, like with tattoos all over and stuff, and she's just really like, oh, tell me, sweetie, blah blah, calls everybody sweetie, yeah. and, and so it just makes him feel comfortable. And but that's how she did it uh, with uh, this toys or toys for tots with Hell's Angels. Uh, there's Hell's Angels there and stuff, and one of these this big mean looking dude was was there and. Uh, my mom started talking to him. And he just like opened up and like poured his heart to her. And he's like, I, you know, not having a dad really affected my upbringing. And mom is just like there. My mom has a crazy story too. A lot of people don't know about it. It's kind of a mess, a messed up upbringing. And my dad almost felt like he like had to save her because, you know, she was a, a she grew up in a bad situation. Yeah. He, she grew up in a bad situation and she, he was a lot younger than her. He didn't know why he wanted to protect her. Not a lot younger, like five or six years, but when she, she was, was younger than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was younger than him. And um, so his brothers, my uncle Carrie, Uncle Dave, like they would uh like almost like take care of her, uh, take care of her while my dad was in college and wrestling and stuff. And then when she graduated, he kind of came and told her, he's like, I want to marry you. And uh they've been together, they've they've known each other since they were like 13 or something, something yeah. crazy. But but um my uncle Dave, uh, my uncle Dave was really close to my mom. My uncle Carrie and my mom were like best friends. They're in the same class growing up. My yeah. and so they were great friends. My they, she was great friends with all my dad and his brothers growing up. And so was, my uncle Mike would pretend that uh, my mom was his girlfriend in high school, and they would go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, hey, would you pretend to be my girlfriend in front of my friends? He's like, oh, okay, my. He said he's sitting in his car and he's way smaller than her. He's like this. He's driving around. You know, I think I think that's all great, man. I think just oftentimes, like Pam's lost in the mix. Like they don't, people don't ask about Pam. You know, they want to know all these Kevin stories, but they don't. We yeah, uh, we actually have a podcast too, if you want to get to know her a little more. Oh, really, yeah. man? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Mark has a question for you guys. Is there any chance that you guys are going to return to wrestle for World Class Pro Wrestling in Texas once they get going again in the fall? Let us know when it gets going. Man. We all 
man, world class is always it's always the home of the party. Yeah, definitely. That's where everything started. Uh, started. Yeah. Jerry's the first guy to take a take a chance on these airheads right here. So we'll we'll owe it back to you, Jerry. Yeah, I don't know if it's you know, you could argue that if, if Jerry wouldn't have taken a chance on us, you know, our careers would have played out a whole lot of different ways. Yeah. He really did flying us out every, almost every week, it seemed like from Hawaii, which is unheard of, what a, a promoter would do that. Not only that, but just the the relationship we had and like the encouragement and everything that he offered, it was just so needed at that time. And, yeah. You know, here we are, you know, and huge part to Jerry. Yeah. So, yeah, world class, definitely. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, where you at, Hannibal? Ask something. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Another phone. I think we lost them again, or now they're just. I think they must have clicked audio. Okay, we're back. Can you guys see us? Uh, just your audio. Your your vi I think you may have accidentally turned the video off. Let's try this again. <laughs> Can you hear me at least? We may have temporarily lost them. Do you want to talk about what we're waiting for them, uh, the Wichita, Kansas event coming up while we're waiting for them to get back up October uh, 3rd? We know Shane Douglas is going to be there, Stefan Bonner, Jacob Fatu, the Blood Hunter, many stars to be announced. Yeah, a, Rodney know, Mack, I think. Yeah, Rodney Mack, uh, Moonshine Mantel, you know, that Wichita is one of my favorite towns. In fact, we. I can't remember. I think it was Marshall's birthday. We actually celebrated Marshall's one of Marshall's birthdays at, at, at the Cotillion. <laughs> I don't know if they can hear us or not. Marshall, could you hear us? Oh, Marshall, there they are. Oh, well, there shit. they are. Yeah. There we, yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Was it your birthday we celebrated the Cotillion one year in Wichita? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I know. I know you. You had a surprise birthday. Uh, you brought a cake to me in the middle of the ring after a match. That, that was in, in Dallas, and then the same thing. And uh, and then you did the same thing for Marshall. I think it was at the Cotillion. Uh, Cotillion, your birthday cake, and every I couldn't believe it. Yeah, what a cool venue that place is, too, right? Oh great. man, one of my favorite venues we've ever been. <laughs> between the both of us, we had like four birthdays in a world class, like on a show day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I, and going back to the you guys coming back, uh, you know, like that means a lot to me uh, on a business and a personal level. It's hard sometimes, uh, you know, whenever you guys signed, of course, I was really happy for you because I know it's, a, you know, it's a bigger platform. But, uh, you know, it's tough sometimes because I don't know that that uh, it ever really crossed my mind. I mean, I knew you guys would move on, but I guess I, I never really thought about it. And uh you know, every time I think of us carrying that name, it always comes back to you guys and, and your dad. I mean, I do you remember the conversation we had whenever we came up with the name change? Because it was you that came up with it. Remember that? And I was like, oh, man, I don't yeah. I don't know about that, man. We got to ask your dad. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. That, was a, that, was a, that was an exciting day. And then wasn't it the next show was Arkansas, right? Yeah. Uh, Oh, that was our that was our first taping, remember? And and one of my favorite things yeah. that we did together too. Remember that first TV promo that you guys cut? It took like 20 takes, remember? I don't remember how many it took. And, and I was in there watching it, and I was like, 
I'm just going to come in and uh, I'm just going to come in and, and surprise them and just close it for them. Do you remember that promo? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, totally. Because you guys didn't even know I was coming. I just seen you guys struggling and I was like, all right, I'm going to let him come in and then I'm just going to swoop in behind them, put my hands around you guys and we're going to kill it. Yeah, that, that's, that's, what, that's what we needed. And that's too, you know, like, MLW has been been helpful or been helpful as far as that goes because you know before all this Japan we, we didn't have very much you know a TV experience we were wrestling on TV but we weren't you know we weren't shooting promos or anything it was strictly wrestling and so that was like a, a new curve we, we had to go past and you know uh, I was like I've said before like public speaking was like the biggest fear of mine in the world and you kind of threw me into that uh, when we uh, when we went over to uh, those, those schools and we walked into basically a freaking pep rally, like already fully <laughs> of high school kids of all people, and uh, they they here's a microphone. And I guess you did the elementary and the middle school, so yeah, you you started off and you said, "Here, boys," and I was like, "Okay, my nightmares, it's it's real now." But it went away, and it eventually felt felt all right after. I think that's one of the most special things that we did together was go to those schools and talk to kids and, and you guys killed it. You know, we had such a good time in Detroit and those kids loved us, you know, was, every kid we talked to came to the show. It felt like, yeah, I know a lot of them, a lot of the kids from that show still reach out. Are you guys coming back to Detroit, Texas anytime soon? Yeah, I think so there was more people at that show than there was in the actual town. No, there I was know, a ton of people. It was like literally, I think it was like it was a really tiny town, and I was like, yeah. it was packed. I wish promotions would target more kid uh, kid shows because kid shows are always so hot, and a arm drag gets a huge pop. You know, it's it's they, a, they just want to see the bad guy get his ass kicked. You know, <laughs> like, there's a big difference. Good for family. You know, there's a big difference between doing shows for families and then doing like shows for wrestling fans. And I think oftentimes workers don't understand the difference, but I know that you guys did, uh, you know, because you make that genuine connection. Again, it goes back to the connection. And I still remember the end of that show. I remember we couldn't get out of there for I don't know how long because uh, that merch line was so long for you guys. It was insane in that town. Do you guys remember that? Uh, no, it was it was humbling, man. It was it was it was tri- it was just trippy to us, and it was crazy because that, that being that little country town, you're like, not how 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 is anybody going to come here and uh, beat the show? But and I just when I heard the first match go, and I believe it was Fuego del Sol and somebody else, I heard uh, I heard them uh, I heard them going at it. I was like, it sound it sounded so hot and loud, the whole building was shaking. Yeah, wrestling sounds so right when there's you know kids in the crowd you know because a lot of times it's we got a lot nowadays you got the 40 year old uh, male you dominated yeah. uh, you know but which is cool you know we, it's 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 still a it's still a crowd and and you know that's usually who our relationships are with with the with the fans but there's something different about that the, the, the when those kid crowds when you hear them scream it hits a different octave that you're not used to hearing Wendell has a question for you. Why aren't you guys in WWE? Obviously, you're under contract to MLW where you can do some outside bookings, but it seems like you guys would be a big asset to them with your last name and you have the look and you guys are very good wrestlers. So any contact with them? Okay. I'm sorry. I broke out a little bit on that. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
what was it? What, what, or why aren't we going to WWE? Was yeah, has there been any talk? Because you seem like you would be the ideal candidate to, of someone that they would want to throw some money at to sign. But are you guys just happy doing your own thing and being an MLW, which allows you more options? Or that, that's exact. That's exactly it, man. It, it's it's pretty much that we we, uh, we were reached out to for for a, um, an NXT tryout, and it both just wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't. It just wouldn't. didn't sit right. There's not really. It's hard to explain. You just, you know, when you have that feeling, like this kind of unsettled feeling, and um, we feel just like we're ready yet either. Like, yeah, we just uh, we've been wrestling for six or seven years, and we were just. Uh, I, I we want to if we if we go to a company like that, we want to give them our, our the our best. We didn't feel like we we're at our best, and you know, wanting us to 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 move to Florida and 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 stuff. And you know, for my dad's story, family is important to us. And, you know, my, you know, my, my dad said, you know, that you, you, you get one family and, and you, you don't get members back, you know? And so we're, while my dad's in his latter days, while he's, you know, 60, 60, 65 now, um, we, we like what we're doing. We like being able to, to stay in Hawaii, come to his house and come to his house in the weekdays, hang out, laugh, sell, sell sheep, jump off waterfalls. You know, it, it's, um, Those things. it's, this time's important to my dad. Yeah, yeah, it's important to my dad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're just banned behind me. There's a ton of sheep right now. Yeah, but uh, I think one important thing to say about that, and you said it, you said it a little bit, you touched on the family part. I think sometimes uh, it's very easy for those of us in wrestling to worship wrestling like a false idol, and I think it's easy to get lost in wrestling, it's easy to get lost in all the things that come along with it. And I think that, once again, it goes back to the testimony of what kind of guys you are, that you could have went to WWE. You could have already been, but you chose your family instead. And I think, you know, in life, your priorities need to be a certain way. And wrestling should not be your top priority. And that's just the truth. You know, I love wrestling as much as you guys, as much as anybody. But your, your priorities have to be, they have to be right. And I think when your priorities are right, more things come to you. Yeah, yeah, that you you got it exactly yeah, right. And 100%. you know, we, we we tried the like I was saying before, we we tried the being famous and becoming the the most famous wrestler. We tried it, and every time we thought we got some some momentum, it crash, it crash, it crash. And um, you know, and, and so when I was finding my identity in wrestling, I was honestly the most miserable in, in my in my life, mentally, spiritually, and. And so that's why we've, you know, my dad's done a lot of searching. He's a man that's lost everything and, and he's had everything taken away and he's had the world, you know, he's, 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 he's seen it come and go. And for, from, from his searching, uh, he, he, he became a Christian, but we had to learn for ourselves. You know, we had to, we had to find out, uh, find out for ourselves. And it was only through experiences. There's a story of us. Um, it's kind of what, what changed my, my life. Um, as far as wrestling, so we're questioning. Um, we're in Japan, and we're like 0 and 70 at the time, and we're like, man, I don't know if we're. Uh, it, are, are we supposed to be doing this? Are we forcing this to happen? And so we got uh, every show we got to in Japan, we'd go sneak on the roof and just get away from everybody. We're both kind of like um, socially shy. We just want to get away from people, and then when we get in the ring, we'll go all out. But um, uh, we got on the roof and we said a little prayer, like, is this what we're supposed to do? We're wasting time. We're supposed to do something else. 
Am I, are we, are we just embarrassing the family? What, what are we supposed to do? And so, uh, we went and wrestled, had our match. Um, after the match, came back up to the roof, and we, you know, we were thinking we probably might never beat this building again. It was in the middle of Japan, in the middle of nowhere. I'm pretty sure. I keep thinking it was Kirk and Hall. I wish I could remember the stupid building, but um, yeah, we we got on the other one's shoulders and we marked uh, Marshall Ross the date 2012 or something, and did like a, a little alligator or a shark or an alligator. But then we're sitting there talking, and we looked. A, a, a super faded like scratch um probably like four feet over from where we just were like right we're scraping this into this this brick wall and we saw the signature kevin dave um 82 something and it it was it was like we were just praying about are we supposed to be doing this are we supposed to be wrestling and i they're there they're in this middle of this town where, where i have no idea where i'm at and that my family, there's a marking of my my dad and my uncle right here. They've been exactly where I'm at. They were exactly my age at that time. And his first name is Kevin. My first name is David. You know? We're Kevin and David. And, um, and and so when we saw that, it was just such the heaviest confirmation that you're supposed to be exactly here right now. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. The, the, those names right there were just like, it, it just tripped us out. It was like, I was like, God's saying this is where you're supposed to be. And that's, that's honestly was my testimony. Before that, I was just, um, yeah, there's a God of Blair and all this. But that was the first time I saw something that was like tangible. Right yeah, tangible. And um, I kind of we held on to that hope for the rest of our careers. And it didn't get easy after that. It got hard, really hard. But that confirmation was to stay on the path, keep walking, keep going. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we've wrestled for almost nine, nine ten years. And only now, not only now, but. It, it, it's if we looked at it as like a, as a success or a money thing, then then whatever. But we're, we in our heads, we're already successful and rich. You know, we're 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 making relationships with people. You know, and that uh, these kids at these shows like that, that impacts me heavier than anybody. This little boy told me his dad just passed away, and he's at a show, and I hugged him. He started crying, and I was like, "This is what I'm here for. This is the this is what it's all about." And so, that, but if we wouldn't have saw that marking, we probably would have been but probably would have stopped and gone into something else you know and we tried other things but they all failed we owned a map nut business we did a shipping business we tried a ton of crap but a lot of it failed it's like two wrestlers trying to trying to do it though <laughs> yeah know? yeah we, we know we're meant to be wrestling yeah that's what how was working with harley race during the time you were going to noah because i noticed you were also doing shows with him and he's such a legendary figure in wrestling Oh man, Harley was Harley was yeah, just a hardcore legend. And uh, I remember seeing him, uh, seeing him for the first time with my dad, and seeing my dad just like when your dad's a wrestler and he's not around other wrestlers, you just wonder like, man, my dad's kind of just different, kind of weird, you know. Yeah, he's when like, you compare him to your friends' parents or dad, it just it doesn't work. Yeah, like how come he's the only guy, the only dad wearing speedos, jumping in the jumping in waterfalls and stuff, and <laughs> ponds and catching yeah, snakes? And come to your football games wearing no shoes. I'm like, uh, sir, you need shoes. But yeah, kind of yeah, thing. exactly. And then I remember he was he, he was wearing short shorts like twenty years ago. We're like, Dad, man, why are you wearing short shorts? Like, he said, he said, it'll come back. Just watch. I'm gonna be cool. I'm, I'm gonna be the trendsetter <laughs> in a couple of years. He, he was right about that. But but you know, it's Harley. Uh, when him and Harley saw each other, they just they lit up. And um, I remember thinking Harley was 
he was a legend. He really was a legend. And he was such a legend in Missouri too, or St. Louis. And um, I remember uh, he said, uh, you think you have a strong grip? And I was like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but yeah, I pretty got a pretty strong grip. And he said, shake my hand. And I shook his hand. I was in the passenger seat of a car and he was on freaking crutches and he pulled me out of the car with his head by a handshake. He like, he like pressed some pressure point in my like wrist, pulled me all the way out of the car. My dad was laughing and stuff. I was like, Dad, you gonna kick his ass? I was all scared and stuff. Yeah, but I was 18, so yeah, he he I couldn't believe his strength. Yeah, definitely. That was how was pro wrestling, Noah, for you guys overall going over there to Japan? It's obviously a lot different than I don't know if you were in Hawaii by then or not, but the culture would have been a bit of a culture shock, I imagine. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was definitely a big culture shock, huge culture shock. I think Hawaii might have warmed us up a little bit to it, though, because of, uh, you know, it's a there's a, there's a lot of Japanese and stuff over here. But, um, yeah, extreme culture shock. But I'm glad my dad put kind of threw us to the wolves in a little bit because in Japan, you think uh, they will treat you better if you're a third generation wrestler. Nah. Yeah, they're they're harder on you. They they try to wean out any quit. If the quit's in you, they they want to find out and get it out. And um and we didn't realize what an honor and how I mean, how privileged we were to be in Japan. And um those guys, Morifuji, Ogawa, um, Kobashi San, all these guys poured poured so much into us and pounded the fundamentals in us to get us to to get us where we're at. And it was um I. And now I thank my dad. But at that time, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Our phones didn't work. We couldn't talk to family for three months. Came home for like two weeks. I didn't want to go back so bad. We had to go back another three months. I just had a girlfriend and I was in a, I was in the puppy love stage. Luckily, I married her. But when we were in the, I was in the puppy love stage at the time. So it was like, it was rough on me. And But Ross, believe it or not, I was the second three months. And I was like, dude, I'm just so homesick. It hurts. Do you, do you feel like this? And, and at the time, Ross just got done playing uh, football and had some other stuff happen in his life. And he's like, dude, this is what I, um, if, if I quit on, if, if I quit on this, this came to us. I, I don't want to quit on this. And I, I think we, I think we should just press through and keep going. And because he didn't want to quit and I was a younger brother, I was like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to quit on him. And so we stayed there and I'm glad we stayed there. We stayed there. And it was hard, but it was the best decision we've ever made. I think in wrestling is staying there. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what would have came in you guys' career if you would if you would have left. You know, I I don't know that you guys would have stayed. I think that I think you're right when it comes to that. Yeah, if we would have left, we'd just been the the guys that uh, Japan was too hard for us. The Bonner boys are soft, and you know they, they left Japan. It was, it was too hard on. Them. But there's some wrestlers um, out there that that I that I feel like really deserve to go to Japan. They're they're they're, they're like made for it, and. Uh, Hannibal being one of them, I, I I feel like a guy like that would would blow up in Japan. He was just good, snug, solid wrestling, you know. And I I I I feel like he would just exceed over there. Simon Gotch, you know, another guy I think would do well. In, in, yeah, his style in Japan that, that you know he has that more like that shoot style or whatever. But there's there's a lot of guys that I, that want to get there really bad. And when I realized how hard it was to get there and how we just got brought over, I realized what a awesome thing we had it was right after we stopped stopped going and then we got invited back and we were just absorbing everything taking pictures before it was just like oh, 50 more days and then we, then we go home you know 60 more days 
It's actually 90 per day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll wind it down here soon, but I had another question. I heard a story from former uh, WCCW producer Mickey Grant about Kevin getting his foot sliced with a blade in the ring. And I was wondering, Marshall, if you ever got your foot injured wrestling barefoot. Believe it or not, I haven't had any bad injuries. I have disgusting feet, though. Like, uh, I have hooves. I, I got hooves. And um, I, one time, I stepped on a cigarette butt. And I, I've stepped on cigarette cigarette butts before on outdoor shows. And my calluses are so thick, it takes me about, like, 15 seconds to, like, register or feel it. But there was this one time, it was... I don't know if it was, it was kind of a bad scenario, but I stepped on, I'm pretty sure I stepped on a cigarette butt. My foot was burning and I looked and then I guess there was a thumbtack. I guess there was a hardcore match before that, but I stepped on a thumbtack and a cigarette butt at the same time. And two that, for one. Yeah, two for one. But I think that was honestly my best, uh, my, my, my worst foot injury. I had, oh, yeah, wait, no, I did. I had a bad foot injury. What's that? Oh, oh uh, one time we're wrestling in a Wahoo and they forgot me. Yeah. They're, uh, they were missing the pad in the ring. It was just uh, just the wood. And there was a big empty section in the very middle of the ring. And I did a big moonsault. And my foot hit the hit the wood really hard. And Ross thought I was just being a sissy and you know, kind of was playing it off. I couldn't walk. I'd used the old lady walker um, all the way through the airport. Yeah, we're walking back our, to our hotel after. And he's like limping. It's like, okay, I know your foot's hurt. You don't have to work me. Okay, like, I, I got it. You know, yeah. show's then, over. But then the exact same injury happened to me in Israel. Yeah, in Israel, and it was—it's from doing a drop kick in your your toe, like hitting the mat, oh, like this. and just jamming basically, jam like your foot, and you're just totally immobile. It's the worst pain. I talked so much crap to him though after that happened. Yeah, and I was wheeling myself around in like the office chair in the hotel. The reason it was funny though is that that match, uh, that match, he didn't have his wrestling shoes, oh, so he wore water shoes and then put kick pads over him. And while Ross was wrestling, my dad was like, dumbass, you wore water shoes. And he just laughed so hard. And they, they, they ribbing me. He did a drop kick and the shoe went completely on top of his foot. Like the, the bottom part of the shoe was on top of like, his foot. turned over upside down. Like, oh, oh my gosh. I'm like, man, this is, so, <laughs> this is so not good right now. I only wrestled barefoot one time. And I noticed when you get thrown outside the ring, that cements when your heels hit. It like shoots right, the pain shoots right up your body. So I never wrestled without boots again. Do you just yeah. get used to that? You know what's crazy is you guys remember whenever I came out there and stayed with you guys, I had too much stuff to take back. So I left my wrestling boots and I ended up wrestling barefoot for I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was, right. that no, was he's a video. He's, yeah. he's like, I have my phone. I yeah. remember that. You're that was Jerry Monterey for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was Jerry Monterey. You know, I can't so, believe we never tagged together. I mean, uh, there was no way, guys. I'm not that good. <laughs> Trish wants to know, is there a way to send fan mail? Why not, uh, as we get to the end here, you remind people how to listen to your podcast, where they can follow you on social media. I think your father uh, is a podcast now as well. Well, I'm thinking about it. Is is the date yeah. for MLW still coming back to Dallas? Is that still a good date? I think it's September the 11th. Is that right? 11th, yeah. The MLW is coming back to Dallas. Yeah, guys, I think you can get those tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, so if you want to 
Is it the same place that it was the last time? North Richland Hills, I believe, at the NITEC Center. Yep, September 11th. So, guys, don't miss that. And uh, who knows? Maybe you guys can stay a day or come in a day early, and maybe we can figure something out. <laughs> Heck, yeah, man. Yeah, man. We'll get together for sure. I, I think uh, with uh, with Little Jerry, Hannibal, Vaughn Harris, I think we're an unstoppable eight-man tag team. We'll do some eight-man. Man, I feel like you guys are issuing the challenge for us. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's let, let's let's start some beef with four other dudes right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for doing this, guys. We really appreciate having you on for the very first world class pro wrestling podcast. It's been uh, nice to meet you finally after watching you guys for the past five or so years. The same here, man. We, we've been watching you for a long time. Always wanted to meet you. Yeah, on, honored to hear your voice and actually be be talking. You know, yeah. where you can hear us. So it's, it's pretty cool. We see uh, on YouTube all the time. So. I'm, I'm kind of marking out a little bit. You got a distinct voice, and so it, it's cool to hear. Like, I'm talking to him. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are definitely going to meet him in person. It's it's inevitable. Good. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. And then and we do guys for doing this. It, it means so much to me. I mean, I can't even. I don't even have like the right words really to explain, you know, because really, there, like I said at the front, there really was no other guest to have. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for our relationship and everything that, that we went through together and, and all the things you guys did, not just for me, but everybody else in our locker room and all the people that, that came to our shows, you know, it was much more than just wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, some of the best times in our life. Man. Yeah, good Love you too, brother. The story's not over. <laughs> You're right there. You're right there. Uh, hey, one last thing. What do you guys have to say to all the fans out there that tuned in tonight? All, all the loyal fans. You guys have the best fans I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, we, uh, no, we, we, they're, they're family. We love all you guys. And, uh, just the fact you stuck with us for, for, for this long and our family. Um, Brent Stein, I'm going to have to think about it, about you managing us. I, I I gotta think about it. Yeah, I, I think you'd be a you might be a good heel manager. But he wants uh, to change the name of your family. We want to thank everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he wants to call it the clawtastrophe. Brent, well, yeah, clawtastrophe. I like that actually. <laughs> clawtastrophe. Okay, okay. Now I'm listening. Good job, Brent. But yeah, yeah, we love we love the fans, man, and and honestly, just the the support they've shown. It's just so far beyond you know what we deserve and we're you know the only way we can repay that is just by busting our butts and just keep going you know we appreciate that more than we can explain honestly and and you know we started this podcast so uh people can just get to know us a little better and um here you see what we're doing see what we're up to and so yeah if you want to check out uh check out our podcast at the iron claw cast um we, we we're on twitter we're on youtube and we're on all podcast platforms or our personal uh, Twitters um, at Ross Von Eric at Marshall Von Eric or on Instagram at Ram Von Eric Ross and Marshall. But uh, you know, special shout out to special, special, special shout out to Dennis. We didn't talk about Dennis, Dennis Ron. And, and Dennis was such an important part of what we did together. Yeah. Well, the uh, Dennis moved on from our podcast, and now he's uh, started a band called Dennis and the Lake Rats. And so uh, he's uh, uh, he's moving up. He's moving up. The area. Be on the lookout for Dennis and the Lake Rats. 